0: Do you really want your company to stand out in the crowded digital space? Do you want to get more people to know, like, and trust you with your story? Authentic Web Video Marketing Agency can help you to collect those stories, the stories that sell, connect the stories to the situation, produce the videos that you need in each of the situations, and then use the latest techniques, including video ads, retargeting, and email to deliver those video stories. Authentic web is the video production and marketing agency trusted by top marketers to help their story stand out in a crowded space. Visit authenticweb.media to learn more. In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Use his video marketing knowledge red button, right? and use his friends. Please be on the show to change that. You are listening to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. <laughs> what? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so. Your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to another edition of The Garlic Marketing Show. Today I've got one of the authors of a big piece of viral content that you've probably heard before about eliminating your content to actually increase your rankings, increase traffic. But what's great about it is our guest today has a background and is an expert in financial investing and uh, growing your wealth, not just through marketing and business, but through investing. Um, Todd Tresseter, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, Ian. Um, so, Todd, tell me a little bit about how you, a little bit about your background and how you got into marketing per se. Why, as a financial advisor, you need to be in marketing?
1: <laughs> well, it's actually kind of a convoluted story. So, I had a hedge fund. That's how I actually built my wealth. Um, so, I kind of did what's known as the rocket science of investing, which is quantitative investing in the hedge fund space. So, it's all statistics, mathematics, and you know, econometrics and all this stuff. And Love then that. <laughs> yeah. And then and then um, we sold the hedge fund and I was, you know, here's the air quotes for the video air quotes financially independent or retired. But I was only 35 at the time. You can tell I'm a lot older now as you know, solid 20 years ago. Um, and so I went and saw I was up at a marketing conference in Canada, in Vancouver, and I saw Corey Rudel. I don't know if that name's familiar to you. I've heard it before. Yeah, Corey Rudel is sort of the grandfather, if you will. He was a young kid, but he was the grandfather of most of what's taught for Internet marketing now. So most of the gurus that taught today's gurus – so we're going back like three generations of gurus here, right? (laughs) The, The gurus that taught today's gurus learned from Corey Rudel. He was the master. This guy was a genius. And he stood up on stage, and he's one of those geniuses. His mouth is going like a million miles an hour. He talks super quick, super fast. He thinks super fast. You can't keep up with him, and yet his mouth can't even keep up with his own thoughts. He's so quick, right? So he's just like going off on stage. It's his first presentation ever, first time being public. The guy's already making over a million a year. This is in the early infancy days of the internet. It's like 1996. Wow. Right? And I'm sitting here seeing him, and he's going off about what internet marketing is, what the internet means to marketing, and where it's going in the world. And I went home and I bought the domain financialmentor.com. And so um, that was my introduction to internet marketing. I really under, I mean, he just conveyed the vision of what he saw in it. And the only reason you don't hear about him today is again, this guy had a penchant for fast things, and he put a portion to a wall on a racetrack at 200 miles an hour. And that kind of ended his uh, legacy, if you will. The company still continues on. It's Internet Marketing Center. Um, But it's, you know, it was nothing. Corey was the brains behind it and the the heart and soul of it. And so they carried it on. But the, the guys he taught went much bigger and then, you know, we're down three generations of gurus since then, but that's how I got introduced.
0: Oh, wow. And financialmentor.com, that's an awesome domain. <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously,
1: you couldn't get that anymore, right? I've got a, I've got a bunch of good domains. I've got a financialinfo.com. Wow. Um, so I've got, I've got several really good ones um, built around building a brand, you know.
0: So you, were you, at, the, at that time, were you st- where were you in the hedge fund? And Were you at the I'd end of it? it. You had sold it at yeah. that point. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I had
1: sold it, and what was going on was I had kind of started thinking about doing something with my financial knowledge. So what happened was, and I, you know, I told the story in other interviews. I, I would go to parties, and it's kind of weird, right? Here's this young kid because I was young at the time, and he's retired, right? And he kind of did this thing called hedge funds, but nobody really understood what hedge funds were back then, right? They didn't have the sex appeal that they have today, right? They weren't real real well known. No, And so, you know, people would be like, oh, what'd you do, Todd? And I would just blow off the conversations. I would just try to get out of the conversations, anything to avoid them. And one time my wife just got really frustrated with me and she took me to task and she goes, Todd, you know, you spent a lifetime building this knowledge, like years. You worked your butt off to figure this stuff out and it totally works. Why don't you do something with it? Why are you just hiding it, you know? And the truth was I was afraid, Right, I was afraid because what I teach is really unconventional. It works. It's all based on math. It's all proven. It's all proven by research. It's all science. But it's totally contrary to what's commonly taught. And so – I was kind of concerned that you know when you take on mainstream education on a public forum, you can get blasted, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just was really concerned. I thought, you yeah, know, I just don't want to put this stuff out there. I I don't need the verbal abuse. I don't need to put this in a public forum. And then so I finally decided. I what I did was I gave myself permission. I said, you know, what I'll do is I'll start building financial mentor and I'll start publishing articles and I'll just see how it goes. And if it turns into, you know, people crapping on Todd, then I'll just shut it down. I don't care. I'll just shut it off. Never happened. It just, people loved it from the get-go. It just kept growing and it kept growing and it's, that's always been its trajectory.
0: So That's so cool. And, you know, and I, you know I, I, one of the things that's lost these days is that so many people have a little modicum of success in financial markets, a modicum of success in something. They're like, I'm going to go teach it and be a guru in it. And I love that you're like a reluctant guru.
1: yeah it's more it's really more about giving back and it's more about the art of trying to create it in a form that can really help people what i'm really known for is taking really complex financial topics and making them so they're accessible for the average person you know so you don't have to have a degree in finance or anything to go through and really get how this stuff is actionable because it is. I mean, if you really understand it, you can simplify it. Yeah, you know, but
0: you have to know it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. I mean, and it, what's it, I love about the fact that we're talking now about this is just because I I worked I, I would trade it for a hedge fund for a little bit, um, and I often talk to people about the similarities between trading and marketing because mm-hmm. you, you have to go in with a plan, you have to have a system, and you know, and one of the things I also tell people is what's obvious is not valuable. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, and and in marketing, it's the same thing, because if it's if it's super obvious, everyone's going to kill it. Right. Same thing in trading. Right. If it's super obvious, there's no money. Yeah, there's no money to be made. It's (laughs) obvious it's wrong. Awesome. So I think I mean, that probably helped you. Right.
1: I'll give one more. I'll give one more similarity. They're both they're they're both actuarial sciences. Awesome. I've never even thought of that. Yeah, so marketing is a very, it's an actuarial process, right? So you've got, you know, you've got funnels, right, where you create traffic, traffic times conversion equals profit, you know, so the formula for for this on the internet is, I'm sure you've taught this a million times in your podcast, traffic times conversion equals profit. So then you've got, so then you take that formula and say, well, how do you get your traffic? So you build your funnels, right? So you've got your traffic coming in, and it distills down through percentage conversion rates, which then results in profit, and then you've got multiple profit funnels, and it's just... You know, it's a science.
0: I love that, I love and that's what I like about internet marketing. I always did, because I love science. I love, you know, not just branding, and it's like, oh, we're gonna go do this, and then hope it works. You can go and see each point along the way, and, and um, that type well, of, I'll, go ahead.
1: I'll throw, I'll throw something in. What I love is money machines. So it's fun, <laughs> bu- it's fun building money machines, right? So, like, so I built the hedge fund, which was a money machine. The difference in this money machine versus the hedge fund, the, the wall I ran into with the hedge fund is I didn't want my life to be about how I made my rich clients a few percentage points richer. Um, and that was the wall I ran into. It wasn't uh, personally satisfying. Like it was really personally satisfying for me to figure out the investment side of the game. I loved that part of it where I was mastering the, the investment actuarial science. Once I got that, then I was just a prostitute where I was making really good money but I was exchanging my time to make my rich clients cli- r- richer, and it wasn't fulfilling, yeah. right? Whereas this game is very different because now I'm helping normal people change their lives, transform their lives, and every day I get notes from people. That's an exaggeration. Several times a week, I get notes from people about, "Hey, you know, I've never even heard. You've never heard of me. I've been reading your stuff. I've been following your podcast." And this is what you did for me. And this is what I did based on what I learned from you. And you've changed my life. Right. I get these notes several times a week. And so like this game is different. I'm building this wealth machine. It's a money machine. It's really a cool business. And I'm really helping people. I'm serving people. So it, it, it's a different level.
0: Oh, yeah. And that, it, it feels so good. I mean, I get those once in a while, too. And man, while well, it's fun to make money, it's, it's, it's really fun to help other people make the money. And and change their lives, right? Because you're genuinely changing lives, which is really cool. And that's awesome. So when did you come to that realization? Was there a story that that you're like at this moment or was it kind of a gradual thing? Which realization? The um, the realization that you didn't want to be in the the hedge fund. It was
1: progressive. I mean, I had a really good gig going, right? I was one of the owners of the hedge fund. I mean, I was living in Lake Tahoe you know i skied with all the ski bumps some of the guys you see in the warren miller films you know and and you know played beach volleyball in the afternoons cuz i'd worked new york hours and i mean i had a really good life right and making a lot of money and it was like dream life by most people's standards but it was really painful when you don't find it fulfilling you know and i was young it's like was the last great thing i'm ever going to do with my life be that i you know figured out these really cool statistical systems for managing money you know it was just like it just wasn't fulfilling and yeah you know i was leading this great life and it all looked great on the surface but if it's not satisfying inside it doesn't work but that's what made it hard it's like golden handcuffs you know i mean i was i was in it it was awesome there's no i had no right to complain it's like what is it first world problems right you know pound first world problems or hashtag first world problems so anyway and then um i just kind of progressively at one point i just said you know done Done. And so we sold the business. And then I just fumbled from there, you know, because it was like I, I ended it without really a plan. I just had to end it just to clear the decks and figure out what the heck I was going to do. Um, and I had enough money for that luxury. And so I cleared the decks. We did a bunch of world travel. I married uh, who's my wife now. She was my girlfriend at the time. We got married. We did a bunch of world travel. I did a couple business things back in the hedge fund space that I floundered because it was not the right path for me. Uh, blew a lot of money on that, um, so really floundered around for a couple years. Was pretty lost, and then um, I just noticed that I was still really passionate about wealth building, personal finance. It's it's not just the money. It's like this amazing game of Monopoly, you know, like how kids love playing Monopoly, but this is like real life Monopoly you know, with real results that really impacts lives. And I was, I'm just fascinated by it. So I'm, it's just my little weird junkie thing.
0: So, I mean, you've got me excited about it and I know this stuff. So if someone goes to financialmentor.com, tell me a little bit about the tools you have on there, because we're going to talk more about marketing, but I'm sure at this point people are like, okay, I want to learn how he does this and how he did it.
1: Yeah, so what happened was originally it began as a little boutique business, boutique coaching business, right? And the site was just the content marketing platform for the boutique coaching business. And it long since outgrew that, right? So the coaching was like oversubscribed. I kept raising the rates. I never wanted to be a $1,000 an hour coach. And so I just shut the coaching off. And now what I'm doing is I'm putting Todd in a box. So I've got a lot of free resources on the site. I give away free books. I got a free course uh, for new subscribers, um, like a thousand printed pages of content, all educational content. It's all real detailed. I've got one of the largest collections of financial calculators on the internet. Um, so, you know, all this stuff's for free. Um, it's all about building relationship and trust with people. And then I have some paid products. I've got a few eBooks, uh, a few books up on Amazon that you can buy that are specific targeted solutions to certain uh, financial problems. And now I'm building out the big thing, the big enchilada, which is, the uh, courses. I'm trying to put Todd in a box. Um, through 15 years of coaching, I figured out that there's a structured step by step process that everybody goes through to become financially independent. And it's, you know, I just kind of fumbled into it. My, my clients taught it to me by me coaching so many people through the process. And so I started mapping it out, laying it out, and I'm putting it into courses now. It's seven steps to seven figures and the course that's available publicly now as we record this is the step 3 how to design your wealth plan and it's totally different from how a conventional wealth plan is done so it's how you design your life to achieve financial independence
0: that's uh, so cool and i just because i know I, you know I went out and did the financial advisor thing right out of college. And I was like, no way, this isn't for me because they didn't understand. Yeah. Like they didn't understand option trading or anything. And I'm like, if you don't understand options, how are you giving someone a good financial advice? So uh, I think this is fantastic. And what, you know, from a marketing standpoint, looking at your stuff, um, you know, if someone goes to financialmentor.com. What I love is the fact that, and I've been talking a lot about people about this is that you, it's not just the type of information, it's the media. And you understood that people learn in different ways. And yeah. I, I think that's fantastic because so many people just are like, okay, here's a video. Here's a video course. Here's a video course. And I'm like, I, I do video. So it's really hard for me to watch video without just sitting there and analyzing the video quality. Uh-huh. <laughs> so audio for me works really, really well. And it's cool that you have all of that on there.
1: Yeah, so the podcast has a specific targeted function. The books have a specific targeted function. Each media outlet has its own function within the entire um, structure, if you will. And then the courses. The courses are a little different because everybody learns in different ways. So each lesson comes with either a PDF, um, audio file, or the video, you know, so – so there's different ways of learning. Um, you know, there's worksheets in there and exercises and things like that. So it really depends on the format, you know, but the course, it, it requires all of them,
0: you know, because people, people are paying, they deserve it. That's awesome. And it, it's, it's a fantastic resource. And I think, you know, people should do investing and understand it and, and not just completely give it, hand it off to someone else. Uh, it's like marketing. You should understand, For- right?
1: Well, yeah, the thing about investments is if you're going to be financially independent, notice the emphasis on the word independent, ultimately, you have to become some level of investment expert. Um, You can't, everybody wants to just delegate off their investment requirement because it's like, you know, we think about, okay, well, you know, we go to a doctor for health stuff, We, we go to the attorney for the health stuff, we're just going to turn to our financial advisor. Um, The problem is you you can delegate authority for your investments, but you can never delegate responsibility. Ultimately, you have to have the intelligence and the experience and the knowledge to draw from to make the right delegation decision. So I'm not saying you have to do it yourself, but I'm saying you still have to develop the knowledge. It is something that you have to develop an expertise in if you want to be financially independent.
0: Yeah, and it once again parallels to marketing because there's so many people that want to outsource all of their marketing. Yeah. And even if you're a CEO, you need to have some basic understanding and a top, a good understanding of marketing.
1: Even if you're going to write a sales letter, you know, yeah. like a sales letter for a product, you have to know how to write a sales letter. You can't just go hire a professional sales letter writer. You know, you have to know how to do that stuff so you can work with that copy person to get the right ideas in there, to get the hook, to understand what is the, the action items for the t- for the target client. You have to know how to develop a sales letter in order to feed the professional copywriter the things they need if you're hiring one. It's like you have to know this stuff to delegate it properly. You can't just shove it off. I've seen some other internet uh, entrepreneurs' uh, names that we would all recognize. I'm going to leave them nameless. I've watched them just throw – tens of thousands maybe even over a hundred thousand dollars away just wasted on people who claim they're going to build funnels and they claim they're going to do this and they claim they're going to do that and none of it ends up working i watch it time and time again
0: oh yeah yeah and also if you know from my standpoint too, running an agency we want our clients to be educated because they have to understand what we need from them to build something like that out yeah totally it's so critical. So, you know, in educating your marketing and educating yourself in marketing, we found out where you started. Um, tell me, you've had this piece of content that you did that went viral. I heard about it before I ever, you know, before the podcast, I remember it and it's had a lot of copycats, but I think it's a critical piece when it comes to the Google algorithm and SEO. And it was one of those aha moments in the internet marketing. That was a true aha moment. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I actually fumbled into it, right? Like all good, like all do- good discoveries, you fumble into them, right? You don't create them. So what happened was my site was a disaster. So first of all, let me give, give me, give the answer to your question. It's called content audits or content edit, right? How how you do a site edit or a content audit. And I fumbled into it because what happened was my site was a disaster. Um, if you'd seen financial mentor, years ago before i did the content audit i mean i had stuff in the wrong locations i had coding problems i had every mistake you can imagine was on my site because i had started doing it when i knew nothing right and over the years i developed my knowledge and so i had embedded in the site every kind of mistake in the book not only that my writing style changed over time the internet changed over time i mean now if you have a if you have a post without a, a pinner's friendly images you're a fool right mm-hmm. whereas Pinterest didn't exist a few years ago, right? And I've been posting for a while. So I had a ton of that. And then, like, all the internal leaking was wrong, on and on and on. I had every mistake in the book on my site, right? And I had years of content. And I had and I, I just, just, like, every time I went to move forward in my business, I would sit there and go, you know, I would do it except I need to do this to the site. If my site had this function, I'd do this. But, yeah, but this is broken. I got to fix this yeah. first. Like, I always had these if buts, you know, <laughs> these yeah buts. Like, I'll do it. Yeah, but I got to do this first. And I finally got sick of my yeah buts. And I spent a year and a half, year and a half clearing out my site, reworking everything, doing an entire content audit. And that sounds outrageous because it is. But I will tell you, I will tell you this there is nothing. Nothing I could have done that would have been more productive in terms of improving the site and taking it to the next level than that, and increasing the traffic. Because here's the the hook line on the content audit: the title of it was "How I Tripled My Traffic by Deleting One Third of My Content." Right, which is very contrary to what most people think, right? Because people think it's all about long tail and you got to do a lot of content, right? So I tightened it up, improved the quality, my traffic tripled. And now the traffic is 7x. A year after I published that, it's 7x. Google is getting smarter and smarter and smarter. And quality is the new SEO. Don't even mess with the other stuff, it's all about quality. Google is finding the unicorns now. They know how, they're smart. You need If you want to rank at the top, you have to produce something that deserves to be at the top. If your stuff doesn't deserve to be at the top and it doesn't create the user interaction that shows it deserves to be at the top, it ain't going to be there.
0: Wow. So can you tell me a little bit about the process you use for your site audit? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I went through the whole site, and you break it down into four things, right? So you look at every piece of content. So first of all, what you do is you do a database dump into a spreadsheet. Right, so I had my tech guy do that. You know, there's a lot of ways you could do it. You could find out all your content and build a spreadsheet out of it. I just had the guy pull the database out of, out of you know wh- wherever he pulls it because I don't know, and he, <laughs> he dumped it all into uh, a spreadsheet. And I started building out the spreadsheet. And you organize everything according to delete, right? So it's content that's off off target, doesn't relate to your brand anymore. It's poorly written. It's short. So delete, consolidate improve and keep. Okay, So delete, consolidate, improve, and keep. So one of four categories. So consolidation is where maybe you've got three, four, five posts all on a similar topic, but they're all like little ones, you know, 300 words here, 500 here, 700 here. And you take them and you consolidate them into a pillar post. right? So that's consolidate. And then keep is something that's just killer. It's getting great traffic. It's already getting great uh, social media attention, people love it, lots of comments, it's a valuable piece of content, you keep it. And then improve is something that's on, on market, it's good, it's good for your brand, it's consistent with your brand, it's consistent with your subject matter expertise, but it needs improvement, it needs work. And so those mark for improvement. You go through and you go through every piece of content on your site and you build a quality site. And so here's the logic for it, because I know a lot of people would be blown away by this, right? But here's the logic, and it's obvious once you see it. You would when you go to when you write a site, you build a site, you build it post by post by post, right?
0: hmm
1: Okay. Same thing as if you write a book. If you write a book, you start at the beginning, you write a chapter, you write page by page, you build out sub chapters, subheadings, and you build it out, you build it out. Nobody would ever take that first draft of that book and publish it. Right? It goes through edit after edit after edit before it's a polished, cohesive book that is going to give a great reader experience. It's the exact same thing for your website. Your website, you have published subhead by subhead, subchapter by subchapter, subcategory by subcategory. You put all these posts out. A lot of them aren't even relevant anymore. They don't link properly. They've got every mistake in the book in them. Your writing style's changed, and you've got that out as your finished work product. You have to go back and clean all that up just like you would a book. Because that's what your site is if you really think about it. It's a book of your best knowledge, of your best ideas, and it's got to create a cohesive experience because only then will Google understand it. When it's a cohesive experience around subject matter expertise, then Google will get it and they will have, and your visitors will get it. They will have a great experience. Your visitor experience stats will go up. Google will recognize that. They will reward you and the whole site will climb because it's a great site at that point and nobody else is doing it.
0: That's, uh, it's such a great analogy. And back when, I mean, when I was completely focused on SEO and people didn't know what SEO was, I tried, I, I used that analogy that Google was the world's best librarian. And you asked a question and they pulled the best book on that answer. And so, I mean, that makes complete sense. And a lot of people don't think that way, though. You know, and, and, and uh, that's Got yeah, my wheels turning now a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> so You're like,
1: so let me just say something. Conventional, conventional Google SEO. So conventional on-page SEO. All the stuff I'm sure you've been teaching for years um, is still valid, right? Because oh, yeah. in in the end, it's a it's a computer, and so but your on-page SEO, its only function is to help the machine understand what your site and what the content is about. There's no tricks, there's no games, you're just using smart title tags, you're using smart descriptions, you're structuring your content in a way that it's easy for the machine to figure out what the subject matter is about and what your subject matter expertise for the site is about, right? So you're going to still do all the traditional SEO, it's not dead, it's just not the whole game. Now you have to figure out how to do all the quality work to really provide a first class experience because they figure it out.
0: So that, and that brings me to a great point. What, how do you determine quality user experience, quality work when you're writing the pages for your website?
1: It's a subjective thing, isn't it? Quality is always subjective. Um, so everybody has their own writing style, their own brand. Um, you know, like mine tends to be analytical, detailed, but I've got kind of a casual writing style as well. Just kind of like you hear me speaking, um, you know, there's an intensity to the voice that also has a certain difference to it, and so that comes through in your writing. Um, so yeah, you've got to have your voice, uh, but it's got to be, you know, long form content works better. Sorry, I mean, uh, you know, I'm I was a weirdo when everybody was saying what you want to do is just throw out a ton of 300 word posts. I was writing thousand, two thousand word posts. Now I'm writing eleven thousand word posts. I'm basically wow. publishing stuff. Yeah, I'm publishing stuff that's like eBooks as posts. Right. So I did one recently on whole life insurance, you know, you can link to it in there. That's one of my recent posts. And so I'm explaining and debunking whole life insurance and how it's misused and all that. And that thing was 11,000 words and I've got another thousand to add to it that I'm getting ready to add to it. And it's basically, it's a complete expose on whole life insurance. It's extremely detailed, has answers, examples, Everything in there. It's, it's so detailed that even the life insurance salesmen aren't
0: attacking it. Wow, so you know what's funny is I was I was like I was debating in my brains I've been thinking a lot about whole life insurance. <laughs> and I'm like is it appropriate for me to talk about it on the, our marketing podcast because I want to ask you some whole life insurance uh, questions, but um I'm definitely going to read that because I I think it's such an interesting interesting thing and I am now sounding like a super nerd more so than usual. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so but that's an example, right? That's one of my more recent post eleven thousand words. I got another eleven thousand word post on the four percent rule and safe withdrawal rates in retirement, where I go through all the historical research on it. I analyze it. I mean, it's basically it's a book, right? And so when you're done with that article, you know the subject inside out. You know it better than your financial advisor. Same with the same with the whole life insurance. When you're done with that whole life insurance, you know it better than the life insurance salesman, or at least comparable. You know if they're being
0: honest. <laughs> that, yeah. So and when you make an 11,000 word post, what, how are you, are you, how are you bringing people into it and breaking it up? And are you doing anything special? Like, how are you integrating that with the podcast, the course, et cetera?
1: It has to be a story, right? It has to be a story. So you have to have a storyline that runs through the post to make it compelling and to make it readable, Right to make it accessible. So before the post is ever written, I have to know the subject well enough that I can understand. Like, okay, what is the thing that carries through this? The through line that carries through the entire thing that holds it together. The other thing too is like, you know, I used eleven thousand words as an example because those are two of my longer posts. I'm not everything's that long. I got two thousand word posts. I got six thousand word posts. Yeah, somebody said this wise. I don't remember who it was. It's got to be as long as it takes to completely cover it. And not a word longer. Like don't don't ever waste anybody's time. Don't try to be long copy. Mm-hmm. Be be just write great stuff. You know that is provides a great user experience at whatever length that is for you. I mean, for example, take Seth Godin, right? Seth Godin writes short copy. I mean, he's brilliant at it. Nobody's more brilliant. Yeah, he is brilliant at it. So that's his gig. That's not mine, right? I'm yep. I'm an analytical nuthead. And so my stuff's all analytical, detailed, and thoroughly researched, and
0: on and on. And I love that's a good point, too, because I saw in one of my marketing groups, someone asked, you know, what, what's the right length for my VSL? And it's like, how long it takes to get it across and not a moment longer, right? Good. And, and it, that's it's, it's a true thing. And, and the editing is the hardest part, coming back to the website. It's, it's really the, the beauty and the graces in the editing of content. Yeah, um,
1: oh, it's all the work. Yeah. That's where all the work comes in. I mean, getting the ideas down is not that hard. It's getting it so it's really tight and gives a good story that's that's the hard work. You know, and it just, yeah, providing a great reader experience. Or like my podcast. My podcast runs about an hour, which would be considered like crazy long by most people's standards. But I look at it as I'm bringing on a subject matter expert. And I want to deep dive with that guy. The only reason I had him on or her is because I want to deep dive on a specific subject related to what I teach. And that guest and I are going to go back and forth. And so it works for what I do. It's not for everybody. Other people have short format podcasts, and it works for what they do. So anyway,
0: kind of a long-winded answer. No, but that, it's, it's a great answer. It's an important point for people to realize is the further you get down the path, the more it has to be yours. And it has, yeah. and you have to be very, very good at it. And no matter what your business is, you, it's you. Cause I've had people come to us and they're like, oh, I just want you to do it all. I just want you to do it all. I'm like, I can't do it all because it, it, there's too much of you that needs to be in there.
1: Well, and that, that's what brings your people to you, right? Like, so not everybody's attracted to my message, but there are people who listen to this and they go, oh my God, that's the guy I was looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I offer like the next step beyond all the conventional personal finance, I'm offering, you know, advanced retirement planning, advanced investment strategy, um, stuff that's researched and detailed. I'm not, I'm not going out and saying 12 tips to save money or this is your latest frugality tip or here's your coupons for this week. You know, that, nothing wrong with that stuff. It's just not my shtick, right? And Because I'm trying to create evergreen, powerful content that transforms lives. And so some people get into that. Some people hear that and they go, yeah, that's for me. That's what I was looking for. Other people not. But you have to be true to yourself and what is your message. This is the stuff I wish somebody had written for me. Yes. Right? When I was learning this, this is the stuff I wanted. I wish the seven steps course existed. I wish that book on how much money do I need to retire existed. Right? That's why I wrote them is because they didn't exist and I had to figure them out the hard way. And so now I produce
0: them to serve other people. And that's the best content out there is the stuff that and I say that to people. I'm like, I made this for me, you know, and because I knew I wish I had it. And it's so true. And that's, it, that's really cool. You're doing that. Um, so, now I want to pick your brain a little on some, some stuff because you're talking about
1: – One of my favorite phrases, pick your brain. <laughs> That's always such a crude statement. But anyway.
0: <laughs> well, I want to get a little more specific because you're talking – I want to talk a little financial stuff. You're talking evergreen financial strategies. Mm-hmm. So, so where does the – I mean obviously it's on your website. But can you give me an example of where your average person would start – doing something like that? I'm not sure
1: what you're asking. Start doing something
0: like, like what? Like an evergreen financial strategy. Where's the, where's that point? Like for me, if someone comes to me and says, you know what, I need to start marketing. I'm like, do you know your goals? Do you know where you are right now? What's working for you? And who your avatar is? Because- yeah, well,
1: the starting point is the first course I'm building, which is you have to develop a wealth plan, right? Because the wealth plan contextualizes every decision you make every day, right? Because the, the essence of building wealth, most people... Like, there's a myth out there that wealth is the big hit, right? Like, you take this this big win, this big score, and suddenly you're a gazillionaire. And that's not the way most people achieve financial independence. Most people achieve financial independence brick by brick, day by day, week by week. And it's through all the thousands and millions of small decisions they make. And so what happens when you have a wealth plan, and I'm not talking about – when I say wealth plan, it's not like a financial plan like a financial planner will design for you. This is how you design your life according to specific principles that work. And you use all three asset classes. You use paper assets, you use business entrepreneurship, and you use direct ownership of real estate. Okay, And there's different ways to use each one of these. These are the three major asset classes. These are what you're going to use in your wealth plan. And they have different characteristics and they're applied in different ways depending on what your goal is and what skills, resources, and abilities you bring to the table. right? And so you put all this together into your personalized wealth plan. It's unique to you. And that's the starting point. You have to have that because that literally contextualizes every decision you make every day, and I'm not exaggerating, because all the, all those decisions play incrementally back into your wealth plan, whether you're compounding your knowledge or you're compounding your wealth.
0: Yeah, and once again, that, that I love that because it's the analogy. Is same thing with marketing. It's not. I think people think that you launch this big thing and that's what makes you an overnight success but it's it's all that, that little piece of content, that little piece of editing, that one person you connect with daily that does it and same thing with wealth and that's so Shit. cool and I'm so...
1: I, I, I keep waiting for my website to be an overnight success and it just doesn't happen, <laughs> but it keeps growing, right? It, it's just like I'm teaching you, it's brick by brick by brick. I keep adding content, I keep improving it, I keep changing things around, and it just keeps growing.
0: But I, there's never been a big hit, there's never been a big score. Well, would you say that last piece of content, that this piece that we talked about, the content audits, was a big score for just traffic to your website?
1: Oh, I think it's, as I said when I introduced it, it's the single best thing I could have done to my website Um, because what it did was it put me a step ahead of where the Google algorithms were going so that every time there's a Google update my site traffic goes up. You know, knock on wood, right? Knock Mm -hmm. on wood. You know, hopefully that continues but because what I've done is I've put myself exactly where Google wants to go. They want to return the single best result for any keyword search and so And the more of my content that provides that answer for more keywords, the more it looks like my site's a quality site, which raises the overall quality score, and on and on and on, right? Mm -hmm. And so by stumbling into this, just because I was trying to improve the quality of the product I offered, um, I just stumbled into something that aligned itself with where Google was going. And the fact now these new machine learning algorithms, as we record this, you know, in February 2017, or now I guess March of 2017, you know, they're, they've been we're implementing these machine learning algorithms, and these things are really smart, yeah. and they are they are figuring this stuff out fast. Like, it's moving quick now, and you have to align your site with it, or you get left behind, because I'm in some mastermind groups, a bunch of different financial bloggers, and we share back and forth, like, you know, oh, algorithm update, like, how is that helping you or hurting you? And there's a lot of people being hurt that have not, you know,
0: played catch up with quality issues. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's I when I started with the SEO, I saw this as, you know, if you if you chase the money, right. And that because money will always lead you to the right answer and Google has billions and billions of dollars invested in this one thing, right? For the most part, the algorithm is the only thing that makes the money. It's, I mean, maybe Gmail, you know, but really it's advertising too. So it's it's essentially the algorithm makes the money, and you're trying, and they say this is the rules. You don't think eventually they're going to catch up with anyone not playing by the rules, and they're not going to reward the people <laughs> playing by the rules. It's it's a silly thing to think that you're going to be able to outsmart the twenty thousand smartest people on the planet. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, not only that, they have access to so much data now because they, I mean, when they bought Google Analytics, the the analytics package that became Google Analytics, so they're inside everybody's site. They can see all the traffic. They can see all the quality numbers. They own Feedburner, right? So yeah. can see, They, I mean, they own so much property. They can see all this stuff. They can see the growth. They can see how much your name is being mentioned on the internet to, to determine what interest is in your product and. I mean, they're not dumb. Don't, don't <laughs> feed yourself, man. I mean, they're way smarter than you and I are. So the simple thing is just align yourself with where it's flowing. Yep. And that's quality. Deliver quality and it will get paid.
0: Care about the customer? Tell a great story? I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, you talked about stories because I tell people all that time. And you're, in a, and you're a numbers guy that says story, telling a great story is important. Yeah. So that, that to me, is fantastic. Because um, 'cause I'm human.
1: So I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I these are again you got to understand the proper role of each function, right? So numbers is like the science behind finance, and it never lies. But that's not why we make money, right? Money is just a means to an end. That's the human side of it, and so you've got to you've got to understand where these things go. If you want to get somebody's attention, which is your objective when you produce content. Tell a story. Humans are programmed. Their DNA is programmed to listen to a story. It hooks us in. We follow it. Become a great storyteller. It serves people. So these are just, you know, these are different tools in your toolbox, and you've got to use them wisely where they belong. You know, yeah. if I just produce a piece of content that's a bunch of numbers, nobody's going to care. Nobody likes math. I mean, you know, we're weirdos that way. We happen to think it's interesting, but nobody else likes it.
0: <laughs> but the numbers tell us a story, right? We're, we're converting the numbers to stories in our heads. Um, well, it's another language. Yep.
1: Right? The, the numbers are another language and they represent things. If you really understand the numbers, what you recognize is there's symbols that represent things. And so like like if I look at a spreadsheet like I'm a weirdo this way like I can look at a spreadsheet and I can see a flow. I can see where stuff's flowing. That's why like some of the the newer software like QuickBooks drives me nuts. I have I'm an old spreadsheet guy, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz if I can't see it all, I can't work. I've got to be able to see the whole flow of everything. Yeah. You know, so so anyway, that's you know that's just me and the numbers geek in me, you know?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And if you let me ask you this, if you were starting all over today with the marketing side of it, if you just sold your hedge fund but you have all this marketing knowledge now, what's the first thing you would do?
1: I build a product um, I think I did it I did the 80 twenty rule in reverse, right? I built a strong site, I went for all the traffic. The whole reason I did it backwards was I created a product, and marketing it was a nightmare, right. And I said, well, geez, I'm never going to do this again. This is a pain in the rear. And then and – then, so I went the opposite direction you know, because I'm, I'm kind of a guy that does extremes. So then I said, okay, I'm just going to build this amazing site so that as soon as I produce something, people want to buy it. And so then, so then I went down that path and went so overboard that now I'm finally getting back to building product. But now the way things are today, I would just start with product and use that to establish your reputation and the revenue from that to buy your traffic – to do your Facebook ads, and then to start building your content marketing structure underneath that. Now, with that, there's a caveat. People convert to my products because they go in, they consume my free content, and they see that it's legitimate. In other words, they see that, okay, this guy really does have something different here, and I will learn something worth paying for um, at least that's what all my clients tell me. That's how that's their buying process. Is they go consume my free stuff first, and they go, okay, I want to learn from this guy, and then they go buy the paid stuff. So you do have to do both. You have to build out a formidable site that gives people confidence to trust you. Um, but if I started over again, I would do the 80-20 properly which is i would start with a product that is the revenue production side of the business rather than spend years working for nothing i i had the luxury of doing that most
0: people don't awesome and and you'd sell that product right away right yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i would i would get a beta test group in no matter what it cost me to get them in i'd get a beta test group in there even if i had to give it away which i hopefully i wouldn't um because if you don't pay for it you don't you're not really personally invested um, but anyway, I, and you know, build through um, lean, lean startup principles, you know, minimum viable product principles, and just really iterate that product based on customer feedback to get it as good as you can. Again, quality, 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 until you really nail it, and then you roll it out. Man. So start with start with just the basic minimum file product, get that, that beta test group in there that will interact with you and support you, and they get great value because you're delivering great value, but you're fumbling with it. And as you fumble with it and they help you correct by their feedback, eventually you have a great product. Then you can roll it out through affiliate marketing, Facebook advertising, build your funnels, start building everything else on it because now you have a way to monetize. For me, I built for free forever. I had no way to monetize. It was dumb.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I'm so happy you say that because I have so many people, you know, overthink their product, overthink it, overthink it, overthink it, instead of just putting in people's hands and fixing it, which is the beauty of of the Internet. It allows us to get that instant feedback. That It's so important and so valuable, and why not use it?
1: My customers have been awesome, man. They give me the best feedback. You know, when I hit it out of the park, they tell me, and when I'm off track or I'm missing something, all their questions answer it right their questions will come in and say what about this or i don't understand this you need to teach me this it's like oh yeah i missed that one i forgot sorry okay i'll put it in the next lesson you know and it's like they're they're iterating the product for you live as you work with them live and because they're just they're being themselves and they're trying to figure it out and
0: they're telling you where you're deficient awesome awesome Well, Todd, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been highly valuable. I'm going to go download all your stuff after this and (laughs) make my wife listen to it, too, in the car. Uh, (laughs) um, Todd Tresseter, thank you so much. If anyone wants to get a hold of you and and learn more about this, financialmentor.com is the best place.
1: Yeah, so financialmentor.com is the hub of everything I do. That's where I build everything. And so you come in there, opt in. I give away a free book. There's a free course, 52 Weeks to Financial Freedom. And what it does, no, you won't get rich in 52 weeks. We're not about get rich quick. But it's um, it maps out the entire structured process you will go through. So at least you have a solid overview of all the steps you will go through to achieve financial freedom. And then the book is 18 Essential Lessons from a Self-Made Millionaire. And so I give away that stuff. It's a relationship builder. And uh, come in and use the site and learn.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I'll, I'll tell everyone listening, like, I, I have a financial background. And there's little nuance stuff that, you, that sends up red flags. And there's little nuance stuff that tells you someone's a real deal. And this, I can tell you, like, the stuff you're saying it's like this is the stuff that people need to know and uh, it's fantastic and just fun also to see how you format your content because if you're a marketer it's a great thing to see so I definitely check it out Uh, Todd thanks again so much for being on the show it's been great talking to you
1: yeah good talking to you too
0: Ian thanks for having me and thank you all for listening to the Garlic Marketing Show and taking Todd and I on your journey and we'll talk to you soon make sure to put any comments um, and like us on Facebook and like us on uh, the podcast on iTunes and let us know what you think. And if you have any comments, obviously go to financialmentor.com and talk to Todd. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow I and Garlic on Facebook.